We're going to dive right back into Revelation. Um, let's go to uh, Revelation 5, uh, which is sort of where we left off. And I wanted to make a couple points tonight. Um, it's, this is going to seem a lot like a, uh, a digression, uh, or uh, what they call in academic talk an excursus. Uh, but I promise uh, that when we get to the end, you will be... Um, amazed yet again at the depth and uh, breadth of Scripture. Um, this is uh, meditation literature. It is designed and intended for you to read it over and over and over and over again throughout your life. You get to the end of the book, Revelation, you go back to Genesis and you start to pull out threads and you say, oh, I remember when he said this. I remember when John wrote this in Revelation and this is why it's relevant. This is what it means to me and this is what it meant to them. Uh, we're going to go back and read a very familiar story to all of you uh, from Genesis in a, 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 a different way, um, taking some concepts from, from uh, just one piece of revelation and kind of drawing it out. Um, and I hope it will show to you uh, just, just how deep you can get into Scripture and the way that all of these themes are woven uh, by the authors so deeply into it. I, I uh, after having kind of studied this a little bit over the last week in preparation for this message, um, it, it occurs to me that even if you, obviously the Bible is uh, a, an enormously powerful work of literature, right? Um, if you read just Genesis, if it was just Genesis, it, it would be the most brilliant piece of literature ever devised. Um, and I mean that, it's like, it's perfect. Uh, everything about it connects to its themes uh, in ways that are, are so deep and so profound uh, that it's difficult to even explain. And that's, that's doubly true if, if you know even a little bit of Hebrew and you go look at it. The words that are used often echo um, each other in ways that are amazing. So let's go ahead and read. Uh, in Revelation chapter 5, which is as far of, as, uh, as far as we got uh, last week, we're, we're on, uh, I think, we're on week 5 and chapter 5. At this, way, at this rate, we'll be done by the end of the year, maybe. Um, so, uh, recall what had happened, right? John uh, is, he ascends to the divine council, right? He sees at the center of creation, God's throne room, sees God enthroned, and doesn't describe it in detail, but... Or, Describes everything in detail, but not God, right? There are these 24 elders who are surrounding the throne, dressed in white with crowns, uh, and these four um, throne guardians, uh, angels, who are, are uh, they're all worshiping, right, at, at God's feet. Uh, and then this scroll is presented in the right hand uh, of the one who's on the throne, uh, and let's start with chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written uh, within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And we, we discovered last week that that same scroll, uh, or one very much like it, is depicted in Daniel. Uh, and Daniel writes it, and then the angel tells him to seal it up. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because right, he's just distraught. Nobody's going to be able to open it. Because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, 
weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So what is announced? What is announced is that there is a lion there. What does he see? And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. What is announced is a lion, but what he sees is the lamb. That's significant, right? That's Jesus' whole ministry in a microcosm, right? What everybody expected, right? What everybody expected was a warrior messiah, was a deliverer and a conqueror. What they got was a person who conquered his enemies by dying for them, right? That's the whole mystery of Christianity. The whole mystery of Christ's identity uh, is, is bound up in that this moment, right? A lion is announced and what he sees is the lamb, the slain lamb. I want to dwell for a few minutes, maybe for most of this, this time, on this, the, these two phrases, though, that, are, uh, that the elder says to John. He says, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book. So what, why does he get called that? Well, it's, it's a specific reference to two different biblical passages that we're going to go back to tonight. The first one, which is very easy, is in Isaiah 11.1. 1. And if we go there, um, you will see uh, so this is a, a prediction, uh, and it, in, in the moment, in context, it's about Hezekiah, but like looking through the lens of, of uh, history and into the future, it's about, it's about Messiah, it's about Jesus. And it says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, or branch out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Right, so prediction. So Messiah is going to be uh, another descendant of Jesse. And you say, well, why, why doesn't it say a descendant of David? Right? Why, why isn't it a, a branch out of the stump or the, the root of, of David? There, or however it puts it. Out of, why isn't it a, a branch out of the stem of, Jesse, or of, of David instead of uh, out of Jesse? Well, Remember that, that David's descendants, right, within, uh, D- David didn't have the best family life, is a, maybe a good way to put it, right? Within two generations uh, of David, the kingdom had fallen apart, right? Solomon did okay, um, but then Solomon's son uh, was a chucklehead, um, and everything just kind of fell apart, and there, there were basically only one or two good kings after that. We, we don't need a new Solomon. We, don't need a new, we need a new David. And in order to get a new David, you have to go back to Jesse. That, that's the point of it. So that's a refer- it's clearly a reference to this verse. But uh, that other phrase, uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Let's go back to Genesis 49, 8 through 12. And you know what? I got so excited about starting that I did not pray, um, which is... That's not so great. Let's go ahead and pray real quick. Or, or as quickly as we need to. Um, Lord, thank you so much, God, for giving us the opportunity uh, to get together, Lord, and to read from your word and to learn from it. God, we, we love you. Um, we love your word. We love the fact that you've preserved it for us in this form. Uh, it's an unbelievable gift. 
to know your mind and to know what you, you uh, want us to know, Lord, through uh, your preserved word. We ask, Lord, that you'll be with us, uh, that you'll help us reason together and understand, God, uh, what you would have us to understand from these stories, at least a piece of it. We love you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Let's go back to, we're gonna, actually going to go backwards several times in Genesis. Uh, chapter 49, verse 8. Um, and what we find in chapter 49 is it's, it's the very end of Genesis. Uh, and uh, Jacob, right, Jacob the, the patriarch, he's got 12 sons. Uh, and he is, he's dying, right? He's in Egypt. Uh, Joseph, his son who was sent away, Joseph of the uh, Technicolor Dreamcoat, right? His, he's, he's there, he saved, he saved his family through God's miraculous intervention. Uh, Jacob's about to die. And he, he goes through the list of his sons and he, he tells them, uh, like it's it's almost like the letters to the seven churches. Like like he says, yeah, you were you were kind of bad because you did this, but also I love you because you did that. You know, he goes through and kind of lists them. Uh, in Genesis forty nine eight, uh, his his gift or his words to Judah are recorded, and he his son Judah, and he says, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies, thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Binding his foal unto the vine, and his ass's colt unto the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. All of this is royal imagery. In fact, it's the first time in all of the Old Testament, or it's the first time in Genesis uh, when kingly language is used about anybody in this family. Right? The scepter shall never depart from, from Judah. A, a scepter is a, um, is a ruler's instrument. Right? It's, it's like the, the thing he holds that says, I have authority. Um, and it says, so right, the implication here is Judah is going to be a king or his descendants will be, and the scepter will never depart from him. His family, right, his brothers, will bow down and obey him. Now, why Judah? Ju Judah's the fourth son of uh, Jacob's least favorite wife, right, Leah. He was tricked into marrying her. Um, and, right, he, he loves Rachel's, uh, this is maybe recap for everybody, it might be new to some people, but, he married four women. One was Leah, uh, Rachel's older sister, who they couldn't marry off any other way, so they, they, they tricked him into marrying her. The other was Rachel, for whom he worked 14 years. Uh, and then he had two other wives. Uh, he loved Rachel. Uh, he, he did not love Leah. In fact, it's, he says, I do not love <laughs> Leah. It didn't keep him from having four children with her, but he, he did not love her, it says. Um. Judah is the fourth son of Leah. So, so why Judah? Why is, why is Judah going to be the ruler? Um, it, it's woven into the text here 
for, for a variety of reasons, but uh, we're, we're going to, uh, I, I want to, this is my, like my favorite Bible story almost, so I want to pick it out and dwell on it for just a moment. Um, let's turn to, to chapter 42. I am not going to read uh, the beginning of the story. Um, I, I trust that everybody knows the, the basic facts about Joseph. Uh, he, uh, as a, a child, had a number of dreams, uh, most of which indicated that his brothers would serve him, uh, and also that his, his mother and father would, would bow down to him. And uh, his brothers, uh, being the jealous type, were like, hey, well, that doesn't sound so hot to us. Uh, and they ended up uh, and they, he had this coat. They gave him a coat of many colors, not like Dolly Parton's coat, which was for poor people, but this was for rich people. Uh, they gave him this coat of many colors that he was very proud of, uh, and the, uh, his brothers uh, ultimately sold him to slavers, took his coat, made like it had been destroyed by wild animals, and told his, told his father, Jacob, Joseph's dad, I'm sorry. Um, and then Joseph, through a series of adventures, goes to, uh, is sold into slavery in Egypt uh, and rises to a, uh, a place of prominence in Egypt's government, uh, government. He's second only to the Pharaoh because he was able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams uh, and uh, successfully predict like, what, what was going to happen in the future. In fact, uh, we won't turn to it, but Joseph, uh, Pharaoh gives Joseph a name, uh, that people used to think it was just like nonsense, like you would make up if you'd heard a language before but didn't quite know what it was. Um, and then in the 1800s, they discovered how to, how to read hieroglyphics, and they figured out like what the sounds were that the hieroglyphics corresponded to, and they figured out that the name actually means something. It means uh, he sees correctly and God saves his life, which is kind of a cool name. So anyway... Let's turn to chapter 42, uh, and we're going to read 1 through 27. So all this has happened to Joseph, and it says, Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, all right, there's a famine in the land, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do ye look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence, that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, lest peradventure mischief befall him. So remember, Joseph's brother, Benjamin, is the youngest. He's the Israel came to buy corn from those that... Uh, so he's Joseph's full brother. Um, and he's staying behind to be safe. Uh, and the sons of Israel came to buy corn from those that, among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor over the land. And he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down, bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. And to buy food are the dreams which he dreamed. They're all one man's sons. We are true men, thy servants are no spies. And he said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And they said, Thy servants are, are twelve brethren, the, one son, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. And Joseph said unto them, That is it that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. Hereby ye shall be proved. By the life of Pharaoh ye shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come hither, 
Send one of you and let him fetch your brother and you shall be kept in prison that, uh, that your words may be proved. Whether there be any truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely ye are spies. And he put them all together into ward three, three days. And Joseph said unto them the third day, This do and, and live, for I fear God. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses, concerning our brother, youngest brother unto me, so when he besought us, and we would not, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. So all this stuff is happening to us because we, we sold Joseph into slavery. And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and ye would not hear? Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. His blood is required. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them and wept and returned to them again and communed with them and took from them Simeon, one of their brothers, and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man's money into his sack. Right, they were going to buy it, but he commands his servants to fill their, their sacks with silver. Uh, and to give them provision for the way. And thus did he unto them. And they laded their asses with the corn and departed thence. And my money is sacked to give his ass provin in my sack. And their heart failed them and they were afraid, saying one to another, what is this that God hath done to us? So what, what is Joseph doing here? He's, he's giving them a chance to do it again. Right? He's giving them a chance to do to Simeon what they did to him. Right? The, the, will they abandon a brother now? And just take the money? That, that's the question he's asking. Or he's wondering himself. Uh, and he, he puts them in a position where they, they, right, they've got what they came for. They've got all this food. That's what they came for. They've got their money. They just have to sell their brother out. That's all they have to do. So, uh, we're going to skip chapter 43. Um, but in chapter 43, um, Judah... Uh, takes on the role of spokesman and explains uh, to Jacob what what the deal was. Like he needs to go back. Uh, they need to go back and they need to take Benjamin with them. And Jacob it, it protests. He says, if, if he dies, my life is over. Like, it, it's funny that he doesn't mention any of the other brothers. He's not like, well, if Simeon dies, my life is... Simeon's, poor Simeon's like hanging out down in Egypt in some dungeon. Uh, but Jacob doesn't care about that. He, he cares about Benjamin. He doesn't want the youngest one to die. It's all he has left of Rachel. And he says that. And Judah says to him in chapter 43, which we're not reading, um, I will not let that happen. Right? That, that's the promise that he makes. So let's turn to chapter 44. Oh, and uh, in chapter 43, they travel back, they, they travel back to, to Egypt with uh, Benjamin. Simeon's released. Uh, and that there's a huge feast. And Joseph orders that Benjamin be given five times the amount of food that everybody else is. Right? So, so Joseph's setting them up again. Right? Are, are you going to have jealousy towards this, this son? Is this going to create a situation like... like uh, he's setting them up to, to feel the way that he, they food about him with Benjamin. Right? Chapter 44. And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food. So they're going to leave. Uh, as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest, so Benjamin's, and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. 
As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their asses. And when they were, not, and when they were gone out of the city and not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, Up, follow after the men. And when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have you rewarded good, evil for good? Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth? Ye have done evil in so doing. So it's not just a cup, and it's not just a silver cup. It's a magic silver cup, right? So you, you stole our master's magic cup, they're going to go say. Um, and he overtook them, and he spake unto them these same words. And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words? God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. Behold the money which we found in our sacks' mouths, we brought forth again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal out of thy Lord's house silver or gold? With whomsoever of thy servants it be found, both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bondsmen. So they're so sure that it's not there, right? Because they, they really didn't steal it, right? They're, they're so sure, they say, whoever's sack you find it in, you can kill him, and we'll all serve you, if that's true. Uh, and he said, now, let it all, now also let it be according unto your words. He with whom it is found shall be my, my servant, and ye shall be blameless. Uh, so he says, I won't kill that person, I'll just take them as a slave. Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground and opened every man his sack. And he searched and began at the eldest and left at the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they rent their clothes and laid at every man his ass and returned to the city. So they all go back. They're like, well, I guess we got to sort this out. Uh, and Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house for he, was, uh, for he was yet there. And they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that ye have done? What ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine? Don't you know I have a magic cup and also I'm magic, he says. And Judah said, What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. And he said, God forbid that I should do so. But the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as for you, get you up in peace unto your, your, your father. You can go, he says. All of you can go except for Benjamin. He has to stay, right? He, he's the price for all of this stuff I've given you. Then Judah came near unto him and said, right? So he, he sidles up, right? He speaks to him directly. And not on behalf of the brothers. He says on his own behalf, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears. And let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, saying, Have ye a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one. And his brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. And thou saidst unto, my, unto thy servants, Bring him down unto me, that I may set eye, mine eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. And thou saidst unto thy servants, Except your youngest brother come down with you, ye shall see my face no more. And it came to pass when we came up unto thy, thy servant, my father, he told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go again and buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down. If our youngest brother be with us, then will we go down. For we may not see the, the man's face, except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, Ye know that my wife bare me two sons. And the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he has torn to pieces, and I saw him not since. 
And if ye take this also from me, and mischief befall him, ye shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore when I come to thy servant my father, and the lad, so this is Judah speaking again. Now therefore when I come to, my, to thy servant my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die. And thy servant shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the, and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father and the lad be not with me? Lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father. What, what did he do? He, he, yeah, he, he performed an act of substitutionary atonement. Right? He said, I don't, I don't know if Benjamin stole the cup or not, but whatever the punishment is, I will bear it. That, that's why Judah bears the scepter, despite being a, a, a not such a great guy in other places. And, right? That's why. It's because he stood in his brother's place. And notice the complexity of Scripture here. If, if you are, a, if you are a, an Old Testament Hebrew and you're reading the Genesis scroll, uh, this story tells you one thing, right? It, it, uh, it tells you why Saul is not king. What tribe is Saul from? He's from Benjamin, right? And what tribe is David from? He's from the tribe of Judah, right? So if you're reading the Genesis scroll and you get to this as uh, an Old Testament Hebrew, you think, well, that's why, that's why David is the legitimate king and, and Saul is not, right? Saul, Saul was chosen, uh, but he's from Benjamin. And that, that, that's not what it says. That's not, that's, not, that's not how Jacob directed things to go. The, the scepter will never depart, it says, from Judah. So that, that's in your head, right? Well, when, when you and I get to, to Revelation, right, we're, we're meant to remember, oh, Ju- Judah's the one who sacrificed himself, who offered to sacrifice himself. He didn't have to, right? Ju- Judah's the one who said, I'll, I'll stand in my brother's place, just, just like Jesus, just like Jesus. That, that's how Judah overcame. That's, that's how Jesus overcame. We are overcomers. That, that's how we will overcome. Not by defeating our enemies, but by loving them. Right? It, it's all a circle. <laughs> and it, it all knits together in this really amazing way. Um, I love that story because um, it, it's, almost, it's like a prophecy in the form of a person. Right, Ju- Judah could not have known doing that, and he even seems to be a little bit begrudging. Right, like I just don't want to see my dad die. Right, he will literally break down in front of me and die if I don't bring back my brother. Um, so he seems almost begrudging, but but it's a selfless act, right? I I I'll stay here for him. So anyway, let let's go back to Revelation. Sorry, I just love that story, and any chance to rabbit trail into it is uh, makes me happy. And the rabbit, the rabbit trails tell you a lot about the rogue. Uh, so let's go back to chapter 5. Um, how much time do I have? I've got five minutes, maybe. Uh, 
So let's, let's skip to, so the, the lamb is for, found worthy to open the seal, the seals, um, and the beasts worship him. And then let's go to chapter six. Let's start there. Actually, you know what? Let's not. Um, let's go to Matthew 24. I'm sorry, th- there are several ways we can approach this material. Um, and I, I guess what I want to do right now is dive into uh, the parts of the New Testament that kind of prefigure what we're going to read. Uh, over the next few weeks, um, so we, like we've got all the hard work out of the way in some ways. The, the rest of the book is divided up like almost like clockwork or numerically. Um, it's, you've got seven seals, right? Uh, Christ will open the seven seals and he'll tell us what, what, each, one, what each one says or what, what each one reveals. And then there are seven trumpets that blast and something happens when each one uh, pops off, as the kids say. And then uh, at the end of that, there are seven bowls that get poured out and something happens in each one of those. Uh, and that's going to take us uh, really close to like Revelation 19. Uh, so almost to the end of the whole book. Um, so we're, we're going to spend just like the next five minutes. Uh, that was a quick one minute. Anyway, we're, we're going to spend the next five minutes looking at the Olivet Discourse, which is uh, Jesus's explanation of the end times, because uh, it's, it's a good way to set the stage for what we're going to read. So let's go to chapter 24. This, uh, so the, the, the Olivet Discourse is one of five long teachings that exists in Matthew. Uh, there are like five places in Matthew where Jesus just stops and just goes on and on, uh, and, and it, like Sermon on the Mount's one of them, but this is, uh, this is uh, one that he gives on the Mount of Olives. Chapter 24, verse 1, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, which we'll talk about a lot lot next week, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. 
But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So saying things will be so bad, things will be so bad that if the, the conditions weren't stopped artificially, everybody would just die. But for the sake of the elect, I will stop them. Um, then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall ascend his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. So Jesus, right, gives very clear signs about what the end of time will be like and what the day of the Lord will be like. Uh, And we're going to weave those in to what we read next week.